Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Pastor Jeff and I have been friends for over 20 years, and uh, he and I were in youth ministry uh, back in the day, and then we uh, came a part of a covenant team when I was pastoring here in North Georgia up in Lawrenceville, and uh, been a part of a covenant team, and now we're a group of uh, many pastors that are from literally all over the nation. I guess I'm the farthest south, but you know, when you get so far south, you're actually not in the south anymore. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Because I like to be in Georgia. I'm from Tennessee. If y'all can't tell, I'm a southerner. Okay, if you can't tell by the accent, um, you know, talking to you guys, I hope that I sound normal. When I'm down south, I sound like this to all them. And the funny thing is, like, they come up and they're like, man, you talk funny. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? You talk funny. I talk normal. Go to the place where we teach people how to speak southern English. Um, but here I can say y'all, and y'all know what y'all means. That's more than youans, but less than you all, Okay. You say y'all down there and they look at you like a calf just saw a new gate in the cow pasture. They're like, what are you talking about? But it's so great to be here and uh, thankful to be with you. And I send you greetings from my church. Uh, they're down there worshiping today. I was watching a little bit of our live stream and I'm in a congregation that has over 60 nationalities. In fact, at Easter, we took a census and we had 64, yeah, 64 different nationalities. Um, most of them speak English. And uh, we have a lot of fun down there. And God's got a sense of humor because he takes a redneck from Tennessee. That's not the funny part. I don't know why y'all are laughing. And he sends him into New York with palm trees, basically, is where I live, to share the gospel. And I have discovered that there's a lot of things that are uh, very challenging there. And I have to be honest with you, it was a very difficult first year for my wife and I. All of our children live uh, in, in Georgia at the time. And so when we moved, uh, we weren't just leaving our church that we'd been at for almost 14 years. We were also leaving our family. Uh, but we've just been embraced by those godly people. We love our church. Uh, we love coming back to visit. And I got to be honest with you, this is my first time to be able to speak at Sockbridge. I've been here before, um, but it's, it's incredible to be able to come and share on behalf of your pastor. But I just want you to know, y'all are like down the list. The reason I'm really here, I just want to go ahead and let the, let the cat out of the bag, so to speak. I had a grandson last October. I didn't have it. My daughter had a grandson. <laughs> Some of y'all are like, well, he's still carrying the weight. But <laughs> praise the Lord. I had a fig bar this morning, that's what, and it bloated me up. But anyway, I guess I'm allergic. <laughs> but I had a grandson last October, and then I had a granddaughter six weeks later. So Brooks and Ivy are both up here with us. Uh, that's why I'm kind of by myself, because my daughter is a worship leader at a church up in Brazelton in Gwinnett County, and my wife's on, on uh, grand, grandson and, and granddaughter duty. And uh, the reality is, is Brooks and Ivy, Brooks Carter and Ivy Ray, are just this newfound joy. So this has been a great year. I turned 50 this year. I know I don't look 50. I look 49. But uh, anyway, this has been a great year for us. And uh, I was just talking to the first service about all the things that God has been able to do. And to get the opportunity to share the word of God with you today is indeed an honor. It really is an honor because I know the culture of this church. I know your pastor well. And uh, you expect and believe for great things when you come to service today. 
And we're continuing this series called When God Doesn't Make Sense. And so I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Now, the first service when I would ask some questions, there was a couple of people that literally answered me out loud. So I'm not trying to have a Q&A with you guys today. Um, that's what groups are for. And so I encourage you to sign up and get involved in a group. But if you've got a really, really good answer, maybe just email me or write it down and hand it to one of the ushers afterwards. I'm not really asking you. So when I say a question, it's kind of rhetorical. You can think about it, <laughs> but you don't have to blurt out the answer um, like, like some people did in the first service. And uh, one of the things I was talking about in the first service is when you're in South Florida, there is no sweet tea. How many of you feel sorry for me already? I mean, sweet tea is the juice of Jesus. I'm just telling you right now. I know he made water out of wine, but he also made sweet tea somewhere where we didn't read about that in the apostles. But the, the thing, when you go to sweet, you ask for sweet tea, they're like, there's sugar on the table. I was like, that's not the same thing. You know, it's making sweet tea is I really believe for, as, as for me and my house, we serve the Lord and we're going to have sweet tea in heaven. And I believe that. So when y'all go and, and next time you sit down at a restaurant and you order sweet tea, just say a little prayer for me. Because the only time I can get sweet tea is if we make it at home, you know, and, and so it's one of those things where I was saying something about that and somebody blurted something out in the first service. I was like, okay, I wasn't really talking to you, ma'am, but that's all right. Thank you. Um, so if you're sitting by someone that does that, just pinch him and say, he's not talking to you. Uh, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get your Bibles open. We're going to turn into the old Testament, the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. And we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 50, chapter five, zero. And I'm going to talk to you about this man named Joseph. Now, I don't have time to read all of this. We're going to have a little bit of a lengthy passage of scripture, but as you're finding that, I often as a pastor get asked this question, why do bad things happen to Christians? Why do bad things happen to good people? And man, I just got to be honest with you, that's a tough question to answer because a lot of times this is where some people's theology gets messed up. They feel like if, if I make a decision to follow Jesus, then Jesus is going to make everything perfect. And Jesus is going to make everything right, and I'm never going to have any problems. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always going to, to be able to do all the things that I want to do, and I'm going to go through life unscathed, and everything's going to be wife, and my, 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 my life's going to be great, my children are going to love me, my wife is going to adore me, my husband's going to think I'm the greatest thing ever, and uh, the toilet paper is always going to be put on the toilet paper roll the right way, which everybody knows that Christians put it on so it rolls out this way, because if you roll it the other way, it just keeps going and ends up making a pile on the floor, so be a good Christian and put the toilet paper on the right way. Come on, somebody. Some of you, I felt deliverance just run through the house right there. Some of y'all like, that's the only reason I came to church, just to get my toilet paper on the toilet thing the right way. Hallelujah. But the bottom line is, is that we really do have problems. And I'm not, listen, I'm not talking about problems like, you know, traffic problems. I get tickled at people in South Florida too, because they talk about traffic in South Florida. Listen, traffic can be bad in South Florida on one road, Interstate 95. Now I'll give it to you. It, it can get bad. It can get stuck but it's basically every road in Atlanta. Come on, I lived here for a while. I lived in Gwinnett County where everybody leaves Atlanta to go after work. You know, and it's like, what in the, where are all these people coming from? And why don't they go back home, you know? <laughs> and, and, and I was even driving on the way over here this morning. I was following GPS because I said, I'm not going to go to interstate. I'm going to go to the back roads. And it was bringing me down all these roads and turning different ways. And I got to see part of the country and not a whole lot of people was up driving at 615 this morning. So I get up very early in the morning. I was doing all this and I was thinking about all this coming over here and people just get impatient and people get rude. Can I just be, just be blunt? So if you're standing at the fast food line 
and you're angry because they haven't given you your food within 14.7 seconds or whatever it is, just relax. That's not the problem I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about traffic where people pull in front of you and tell you you're number one and all this stuff. I'm talking about real life problems, problems like, and I don't mean to go so heavy right up front here, but because of time, I just want to kind of jump to this. As a pastor one time, I was called to the hospital to one of our staff members, and his wife had just been given the news that the baby that was still in her womb had died. She was not going to be able to give birth to a living baby. But not only had the baby passed away, she was going to have to be induced to be able to give birth to a stillborn baby. And I remember vividly, I can close my eyes, I can see the color of the paint, the door, the knob, everything. I'm standing there holding my wife and clenching her fist. And I turned to Cindy and I said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. And I'm looking to the heavens and I'm like, God, give me the words. Here I am. I'm the lead pastor. I'm supposed to be the man of God, the man of faith, the man of peace and comfort. When I walk into the room, I need to be able to utter something and speak something into the atmosphere that's going to help calm them and rest them. And I was blank. Ever, you ever had a time where it feels like the heavens just close up and you don't know what to say? You're like, and I walked into the room. They're both standing there. Well, he's standing there at the bed weeping and his wife laying in the bed, understandably weeping. And Cindy just lays over the bed and hugs her and just embraces her. And I, I reach over to him and I put my arm around him and I'm just weeping and still, still trying to think, think what words, what words, 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 all these scriptures and everything. And it's just like nothing's appropriate. And I just finally turned to him and through tears, I mean, I'm, and when I cry, it's ugly cry. Like some of y'all, y'all got this proper cry like, <laughs> No, I, I sound like a sea lion has been taken out of the ocean. Like, arr, 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 you know, I mean, it's, it's bad, bad. <laughs> you know, and I'm just like, <laughs> you know, and I said, I, I called him my name and I was like, I don't know what to say right now. And I'm the one that's supposed to be comforting him. And here's what he said back to me. And he's like, I don't need you to say anything. I just need you to be here. And here's the thing, sometimes I think when we're going through problems like that and we're going through severe circumstances, because I know in a room this size with this number of people, y'all have seen and been through some stuff. Somebody say amen. amen. And let me just go ahead and prophesy over you. You're going to see and go through some more stuff. All right, you don't even know what's around the corner. And that's not just to cause everybody to be fearful or whatever. But when we're in this life, we're going to have trouble. And so here's the thing. Sometimes it's not just about what we hear, and I hope that I speak something into your life today that will really help you, but it's most important that you know it's not about what's spoken over you or spoken to you, but just knowing that God is here. He is ever-present in a time of trouble. He is with you. The Bible says that he is our strong tower, that the righteous can run into it for safety. And so whatever you're facing today, whatever you're going through today, whatever your trial is, whatever your trouble is, just know that God is here. Okay, elbow your neighbor and say, God's here. Tell him right now. So as we think about that, then we're going to dive into our story. Genesis chapter 50. And if you have your worship guide right here, it's easy for me to grab, uh, you can follow along with us. And the word of God teaches us in, in Genesis chapter 50. Here's the story of Joseph. Now, a little bit of backstory of Joseph. Joseph has had a lot of problems. You think you got problems? Joseph has had a lot of problems. God gave him a gift of visions and dreams. And so he decided to share those with his brothers. 
His brothers didn't like the idea that he was told, they were told that he's going to bow down and one day worship their brother. And so they sold him into slavery and basically killed an animal and smeared blood all over his jacket and then went home and lied to their father, acting like they were upset and crying, saying, these wolves came out and ate our brother. <laughs> it's just this most terrible thing, you know? How many of you think you got family problems? If that's not happened to you yet, then I don't want to hear it. Hush. <laughs> At least your family hadn't killed an animal and lied and said that I don't know what happened to him. And so if you fast forward, then Joseph gets thrown into prison and, and later, and you know why he was thrown into prison, by the way, fellas, it was because he was too good looking. That's what the Bible says. The Bible said he was so handsome that Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon him. So he was a hunk of a man. I mean, I'm looking around and some of us, we know what that feels like. I mean, I, you know, whatever. I mean, I can't, can't help it. I woke up this way, you know, and, and the bottom line was, he was in a situation where the woman tried to seduce him. And here's this guy who's second in command of the greatest nation at the time on the face of the earth. And she says, I want you, she, she didn't play around. If you look at the word of God, she says, I want you to lie with me. Now she wasn't talking about, let's go tell stories together. Okay. I'm trying to do the PG 13 version. Cause I see there's some younger people in the room, but they were going to lie down together. I'll let mom and dad explain that on the way home. And here's the thing. He ran out of his coat because he wanted to be a man of character and integrity. And when he ran out of his coat, she's standing there holding his wardrobe. And when someone came in, she lied and said he tried to rape me. So he got thrown into prison for something he didn't even do. How many of you ever gotten in trouble for something you didn't do? Look around the people that don't have their hands up. Y'all haven't lived yet. I'm the oldest brother. I have a younger brother, and then I have a, a baby sister, like way younger than me. My sister's several years younger than me. So anything that I did wrong, my little sister was like the tape recorder, and she would go and tell mom and dad everything. And then sometimes she realized that if she told the story good enough that I would get in more trouble. And so if she was mad at me, she would make up stuff. And no matter how much I would deny it, and no matter how much I would say she is a liar and she's going to have her part in the lake of fire, <laughs> we grew up in a Christian home, so we get real biblical. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord, ye shall panic. You know, and, and anyway, <laughs> it was still one of those situations where I would get in trouble and sometimes I didn't even do it. And this is what happened to Joseph. And so fast forward even from there, while he's in prison, these two guys get thrown in jail also, and they have these dreams. He interprets what their dreams mean. And they're like, man, that is incredible. You have this gift. When we get out of here, we're going to come back and get you. Guess what? They got out of jail and they totally forgot him, left him, forsaken him until the man in charge has a dream. And he keeps asking for all these sorcerers and these magicians and everybody to come and tell him what it means. And finally they said, you know what? I remember a guy in jail one time told me what my dream meant. He said, let's go ask him. And they bring him before. And he says, this is what this dream means. He said, you're going to have seven years of good. And then you're going to have seven years of famine. And if we don't work now and store up, we'll all perish and we'll all die. Guess what? Joseph is elevated to second in command now. <laughs> And now here he is sitting on the throne, basically making decisions for everybody who come and approaches him, asking for things from the king's storehouse. So here's where we find it in chapter 50, verse 15. 
But now that their father was dead, Joseph's brothers became fearful. Now Joseph, he was in, he's in charge. Literally, he's, he's divvying out all the resources here. Joseph will show his anger and pay us back for all the wrong we did to him, they said. So they sent this message to Joseph. Before your father died, he instructed us to say to you. You remember how they lied about him dying? They're lying about this. They said, please forgive your brothers for the great wrong they did to you for their sin and treating you so cruelty, for cruelly. So we, the servants of God of your father, beg you to forgive us our sin. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Now here's how I know point number one that God is, is, is working here in this, in this teaching is because Joseph didn't have vengeance. Joseph wasn't trying to revenge. He wasn't trying to get back like a lot of Christians I know. Unfortunately, when we have something done wrong to us, we're like, oh, I'm going to pray for you. All right. I'm going to pray the Lord will heal it and then kill it in Jesus name. So he says, when Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept verse 18. Then his brothers came and threw themselves down before Joseph. Remember the dream I told you about? Here's the fruition of the dream. Here they are bowing down before him, just like he told him it was going to happen when he was a boy. Look, we are your slaves, they said. But Joseph replied, don't be afraid of me. Am I God that I can punish you? You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position. Everybody say position. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid. I will continue to take care of you and your children. So he reassured them by speaking kindly to them. May the Lord has blessings to the reading of his word. I want to give you just a few points. If you're following along in your outline on your worship guide, write these down. Number one, everyone has problems. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got problems. I loved in the first service when I asked him to do that because some of the spouses, some of the women, they, they had a little bit of attitude about that. I just got to be honest with you. Like I just said, turn to your neighbor and say, you got problems. One lady was like, you got problems. I don't even know why I'm doing that. I ain't got no hair to flip. Like there I went, you know, I got both of my hairs cut this week. You got problems. The reality is that every one of us have problems. Nobody is exempt from this. I'm not even going to raise your hands, ask you to raise your hands because all of us are having problems. Now, depending on who you are and what stage of life you're in, how many of you know when you're in your 20s, you've got problems? Come on, say amen if you're not in your 20s. When you, some of you are in your 20s and you don't want to say amen. It's like, I do? <laughs> if you're at home sleeping on your mama's couch at 20-something year old, you got problems. <clears throat> how many of your mamas say, I got problems? If you're in your 30s, you've got a different set of problems, okay? And, and as you go through life, problems change, but you still have problems. <laughs> I'm 50 now. <laughs> I just turned 50 in May, okay? So give me a break. Um, but at 55, I thought is when you were supposed to start getting all the mail and the stuff. I've already... <laughs> Some of y'all know, like the mail, the 20-year-olds are like, you get mail when you're 50? Yeah, they send you these... They send you these free gifts and free cards, and they want you to be a part of their club, AARP, and it's got my name on it, and it says, Dear Mr. Harris, and says all these things. And I was like, man, I, I don't mind getting a free cup of this or a free thing of that. And sure, I'd love to save money on my insurance. And, and yeah, this, and then and, and burial planning. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on just a second. <laughs> free coffee, better insurance, get your casket now. Yeah. While they're still affordable, yeah. 
you know, buy before you die. Like, what in the world? What kind of slogan is that? Who, who's sitting in there? Buy before you die. Let's go with that. <laughs> so when you turn 50, you have different set of problems. I mean, like now, when I get up off of the couch or get out of the bed, or when I go to reach something that's on the floor, I have to have a purpose. If I see a paper clip that's wrapped around a $10 bill, how many of you know that's purpose? Lord, look what the Lord has done. Somebody done left this $10 paper clip for me. And when I bend over, usually there's a little bit of noise involved. Like, you, you get back up and you're like, whoa. All the, all the millennials are like, that'll never happen to me. <laughs> all y'all shall have your part in the lake of fire. Yeah, anyway. And the reality is, is that how many of you know when you turn 60, you have a different set of problems? When you get older in life, you, you don't avoid problems. You've overcome some things because you've learned some things. And so you don't have the same problems. You just have new problems. And here's what the Word of God teaches us. And I know this is comforting right off the bat. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, the latter part says, For he makes the sun to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. What that means from the biblical standpoint is like when things are happening bad, it happens to all people. And when things are going good, it happens for all people. I have a lot of times Christians saying, well, why do bad things happen to me? But I have some other super spiritual Christians that I've talked to, not in this church. I know there are none of them here. But I've heard that they get upset when good things happen to sinful people. Like, why is God blessing them? Well, it's not God blessing them. It's just because they've made wise choices and decisions, and so they're being blessed. And so you can't envy someone because something good is happening to them. Because if he's God when things are good, then he's going to be God when things are bad, right? If you just say, man, I'll move on, all right, and I'll stop talking. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. This is so encouraging, Pastor Kevin. Thank you so much for coming here today. But take heart, Jesus is saying these words here. He says, because I have overcome the world. So we must understand life is full of problems. Life is full of disappointments. Nobody in the room is exempt to what I'm talking about, okay? Everybody has problems at some point. The second thing is this, God is not done yet. That's the good news, right? He is not finished with you. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Now remember those words, good work. It means that God is doing something good in your life. It means that he's got a plan, he's got a purpose. It means that he will finish whatever it is that he started. I talked about sweet tea earlier. I love coming back to the South because you can get real food here in the South. Now I love South Florida because we can get all kinds of food there. Obviously, you could tell by looking at me, I've had all kinds of food. I mean, we, you, and, and, and the weird thing is here, you know, like we have standalone restaurants. I'm telling you guys, when you come down to where I live in South Florida, you can go to a strip mall and get the most incredible Italian food you've ever had in your life. I mean, you can go over here and you can get Jamaican jerk chicken and oxtails and peas and rice with coconut milk in it. Come on, somebody. And then you can go two doors down and you can get Vietnamese. And then you can go over here and you can get, I mean, you can get every kind of food. And the problem is, is I love it all. If it don't move on my plate, I'm going to eat it, okay? And if it moves on my plate, I'm going to take it, send it back and cook it some more and then bring it back out here. But when you come back to the South, you know, you get things like sweet tea and real grandma's like fried chicken and bana- banana, banana 
Woo, banana pudding. I'm not talking about something that comes out of can and you put whipped cream on top of it and throw a few vanilla wafers in it. No, I'm talking about the stuff you bake in the oven and take out. Oh, this is my people right here. Eat it when it's still warm, banana pudding. And I like to cook. Obviously, I like to eat, but I've, I've, I've become kind of an aficionado for barbecue, and I've got a, a, a big green egg. I actually have a handle on Instagram called Bishop Barbecue because I'm a bishop in barbecue. <laughs> Y'all follow me on Instagram. If you ain't hungry right now, you'll get hungry. Start looking, Lord have mercy, I'm going to find out where he lives. And so I've got a big green egg. If you know what a big green egg is, then obviously you're going to heaven. If you don't, I'm so sorry. But you can take a piece of pork, which is God's gift to man, and you can put a pig on the great green egg, close that thing up, low and slow, put, put a piece of pork in there, and cook it for about eight to ten hours. And after eight to ten hours of smoke with hickory smoke and cooking that thing just right, you can take that thing off, and you have to lift it off because if you're not careful, it'll fall through the grates into the, and that's just a waste of God's gift. And then you put that on your plate, and you just pull that pork apart. You can use sauce if you want to run it, but you just eat it just like that. But here's the thing. Sometimes when that egg is smoking, I can step out on the back deck and I can smell the smoke and smell the aroma. And if I go to the egg and lift the lid, I'll change the temperature. I change the atmosphere that the pork is in and I'll run the whole thing. I can make the pork tough because see, it's about waiting to the right time and waiting to the right position. Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, what in the world has this got to do with Jesus or the Bible or anything besides making me hungry? Some of y'all are Googling right now barbecue restaurants near me. <laughs> You're on Yelp right now trying to find out who's open at 12. I'm going to be sitting outside, open the door! <laughs> and here's the bottom line. When you, when you get to a situation like that, you have to understand this. Here, here's the thing. When you go too soon and take the food out too quickly or too prematurely, you're going to run it. Some of you you do the same thing with God. You get, you get a whiff of his presence. You get a taste of his glory, and you taste and see that it is good. And then suddenly you try to rush into something, and God says, no, 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 it's not time yet. Hold on, Joseph. I know you feel like you've been thrown into prison right now, but all of this has got a purpose, and it's got a plan. You just need to stay still and, and be still and know that I am God and wait on this. And he said, no, 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 Joseph. I know you think you ran out of that woman's bedroom, and you did the right thing, and you got cruelly cruelty punished for it. He said, but no, I, all this is, is, is setting you up and, and soon you will see I'm bringing you to the right position. And see, what you've got to understand today is what you're going through right now is preparing you for what is about to happen. And you've got to be patient in the process. Somebody say patient. When you get to the position, you will know it. Third thing is this. God can turn your situation around. Here's Joseph. Now, remember, we're learning from his story today. I could tell you so many other stories in the Bible where it seemed like all hope was lost and they didn't know what we're going to do. And one story comes to mind specifically is when they were in the boat and Jesus is asleep. He didn't even concern himself with the storm. And here's the leaders of the church at that time frantically thinking that they're all about to die. And I love Jesus' attitude. Now, this is the new Kevin translation, so don't look this up in the Bible. But basically, Jesus wakes up and he looks at them. He's like, why are y'all freaking out? Why are y'all so worried? Don't you know that I am in charge of the winds and the waves? 
And I got to believe that Jesus, first of all, they woke him up. He was taking a good nap. You don't like anybody that wakes you up from a nap prematurely. So Jesus already had a little bit of attitude. He's like, good grief, I got to go prove myself once again. When are you guys going to get this through your thick skull that everything's going to be all right? And he goes out and he just commands the waves to stop. And they're like, wow, he has the power to do that. And he's like, I have all this power and I want to give you the same power. And so in this situation where we see God turn Joseph's situation around, look at verse 20. I love this verse. This is the one we hear often, and sometimes we even quote it, but it said, you intended harm for me, but God intended all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of so many. When was the last time you looked at your circumstance and said, thank God? When was the last time you looked at your trial and your problem and said, thank you, Lord, for bringing me to this? God knows exactly where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows your reality. He knows what you're facing. When you find yourself going through a difficult time and it seems like God isn't there and God doesn't make sense, just understand that God knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're facing. Which brings me to the last thing is this. Number four, write this down. Look back and remember that God is always good. He is always good. Even in the midst of your difficulty, God is still good. Come on, somebody say amen. Can I even tell you this? I know we love to have mountaintop experiences. I know as Christians and Christ followers, we love to rejoice on the mountaintop. But can I just tell you this? I can reflect back in my most intimate times with the Lord have been some of my darkest hours in my life. And it's in those moments that I'm realizing that if it's all that I have, and if he's all that I'm going to have today, then he is all that I need today. The word of God says it this way in John chapter 14. He says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. He goes on to talk about the mansions he's prepared for us. And he said, I wouldn't make this promise to you if it weren't true. He said, everything's going to be all right. And when we understand that, we know this. And this is so true. I put it in your notes. Sometimes when God closes a door, it means that he's about to open another door for you. And some of you today, God's going to open a door. You've seen all these doors slam in your face and you're frustrated. You're like, what does this mean? What does it mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means simply this. God is forcing your trajectory into a different direction. And when you get there, you're going to realize all of those things that have been working all of this time is bringing you to that position. I don't have time to tell you this morning, but there's been multiple times in my life where in the moment I felt like Joseph, and Joseph, he broke down and wept. And in the moment I realized this was a fulfillment of prophecy. In the moment I realized God had been preparing me for this position. Some of you are bobbing your head, you know what I'm talking about. When you get there, you know it. But until you get there, sometimes you doubt it. I want you to have the faith to believe today that God is getting ready to position you for what he wants you to accomplish in his life. We're gonna get ready to close and pray Look at this, James chapter 1, verse 17. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God our Father, who created all the lights in heaven, and he never changes or casts a shifting shadow. So some people would say, are you telling me that when God doesn't make sense and when I'm going through a problem, I should, I should be happy about that? Well, no, I'm telling you what James says. He says in chapter 1, verse 2, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for what? Great joy. Everybody say, great joy. joy. Say it like you're happy. Great joy. You mean when I lost my job, it's supposed to be an opportunity for great joy. 
You mean when I'm going through a circumstance and my marriage is on the rocks, it's supposed to be an opportunity for great joy. You mean when things are going wrong in this world that we live in and everywhere I look, it seems like culture is going farther and farther away from what I know to be godly and Christian. It's an opportunity for great joy. Why does he say that? Because he says, for you know what? When your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. How many of you like to grow? Say, oh yeah. So let it grow for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. And now I find this amazing because then he starts talking about, he said, when you need wisdom, just ask for it. How many of you know God has everything that we need of today? We just need to simply ask him. I want to pray over you before we close. Just be reminded in this moment, no matter what you're facing today, just know that everybody's got problems. Don't look at other people and say, I wish my life was theirs. You don't know what you're saying. You do not wish for their life because they're masking how bad it is. Well, if I lived in that neighborhood, if I was married to her or married to him, no, 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 no. Don't say that. Don't say that. And don't think that nobody else has problems. And also, don't ever think that God has forgotten you or forsaken you. He's not done yet. He's still working in your life. Father, I thank you today for the opportunity and the true blessing it is for me, the honor it is to share the word of God today. I pray, Lord, over these people, your people, that today in this place, no one would leave here the same way they came in. May the transforming power of the Holy Spirit right now flood into this room and help us all to realize that, Lord, you're not finished. You're turning situations around right now. Even as I pray this prayer, situations are being turned around in the name of Jesus. And I thank you for that. And I thank you, Lord, that we, when we come to that position and we finally arrive at that place like Joseph did, may we be humbled. May it even cause us to break down and weep, Lord, being, being able to see, God, you brought us all this way for such a time as this. And I thank you, Lord, that today in the season of many people's lives in this room, they're seeing that for such a time as this, you've created them in this position. I thank you for that today. So, Lord, we rejoice with those that are going to make a decision today. Maybe there's some in this room, they don't understand the trials of life. And maybe for the first time, they need to make a decision to say yes to you as their Lord and Savior. And they're going to have an opportunity to do that. And Lord, I pray that you would just come into their life, be the forgiver of their sins, and that their life would begin to be their new trajectory of what it is. All the other doors have closed, Lord, to bring them to this position so they can say yes to you. Bless them, O Lord, today and strengthen them. And for the rest of us, Lord, we're just going to give you praise. Even in the midst of the valley, we're going to say thank you, Lord. Thank you for the trial because it is testing us and it is producing endurance. And we're growing because of it. In Jesus' name, we thank you for those things that you're giving to us and allowing to happen in our lives. In Jesus' name, we say yes and amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.